everybody. Welcome to episode nine of the show that's the absolute best thing since Swiss cheese. Podchodge, I am joined by a man that's even better than freshly washed linen, Crow. Well, thank you kindly. I personally don't think there's anything better than freshly washed linen, but what do I know? I am joined by the player one to my player two, the judge. Aha, what a very slick tease as to what we're going to be talking about today. I know, super subtle. I tried. Subtle. Very soft to the touch. Very supple. Supple. uh, Supple. Jesus. (laughs) He won't help you this time. (laughs) Anyway, we've got... He didn't help me before. (laughs) Great. Good, good depressing start to the show. Uh... (laughs) We have got a great show, contrary to what you may be thinking right now, planned for the rest of this. I think they know exactly what they're getting into. You know what you're. This is episode nine. God damn it! You know exactly what the fuck you're in for. (laughs) Well said. You're always so eloquently spoken, Crow. I I try, man. That's what the English major was for. That's true. So we've actually got a couple of really good ranter raves this week. (sighs) Ah. Yeah, um, I mean, compared to some of the previous rants, this doesn't bother me quite as much, but it still kind of pissed me off. The uh, so Dead by Daylight, obviously, this is episode nine, so you know it's one of our favorite games to play at this point. And it kind of occurred to me whenever we purchased, because I've got all the DLC for it at this point. Um, Judge, I think, do you have all of it or most of it? I have all of it except for the Saw DLC. Okay, so... Oh, really? That's kind of surprising. I know. So, I kind of noticed this, though, that the DLC, like, the trophies for it do not actually begin... Like, you don't don't gain progress in these DLC trophies up until until you've um, actually purchased the DLC, which even if you're meeting the conditions for this trophy, for these trophies... It doesn't count until you've gotten the DLC, which to me is just kind of shitty. Like, you, sh- I mean, obviously some of those trophies are going to be locked out unless you can play the characters that come with the DLC. But some of them, like open 100 chests or open a gate 35 times, you should be able to get those regardless of if you've bought the DLC, in my opinion. So I just got kind of annoyed when I realized that all the progress I had made before purchasing this DLC didn't count for shit. And that's a fair rant. I mean, it is kind of annoying, and I don't even care about cro- trophies as much as you do, but... Yeah. What, what what you got for us this week? Okay, mine is a real-life rant. Mine isn't even pertaining to video well, now games. You're, now you're getting into dangerous territory. We don't we don't talk about real life. Ah, uh, yes, but this is Podchodge, the show that knows no bounds. Ha-ha. <laughs> oh, yeah, see what I did there? Actually branching <laughs> out here. Um, you see, can follow us at, at podchodge.com net uh, on twitter at podge at real podge that's this is you're never gonna let me down on that are you <laughs> dumb uh yeah so back to the rant so anyway, this is real pertaining life. yeah this is pertaining to real life see this is just a this is a matter of common decency as a human <laughs> being so i'm talking to all you lawnmowers out there i know that there's plenty of you that listen to the show um <laughs> So, here's the thing. If it's peak traffic time, you know, if you're in a small town, if you're in a big city, 
this still applies. If it is peak traffic time, you know, you just got off work, you're driving home, and you're on the main street, the main highway, what have you, of your wonderful town slash city. See, you don't, I mean, call me crazy, but I don't really think that that would be the best time for you to push mow the side of the road, you know, that is gravel and debris and detrit detritus, however you pronounce it, all over, strewn all over the place. I wouldn't say that that's the best time for you to do that because, you know, there are these things called cars that kind of cost a lot of money that are driving down those roads like less than three feet away from where you're push mowing. I think you're I think you're talking to the forest dwellers right now. They're they're unfamiliar. Can you explain what a car is? <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe maybe I'm being a little too condescending right now. Um <laughs> Basically, the long and the short of it is don't mow the side of a road when there are cars right there and you're throwing rocks. See, I was I got off work earlier this week. And whenever I was driving home, obviously it's pertaining to this situation. There was a guy mowing the side of the road, and this didn't happen to me, but it happened to the car in front of me. So I felt his pain. I felt his sorrow. I felt his agony when this <laughs> this person law or mowing the side of the road chucked a rock from the rotor, like straight through his windshield, like straight through it, busted out his windshield. I saw the guy in front of me slam his brakes on, get out, grab the guy by the collar, shake him and say, what the heck are you doing? Nicer words, mind you. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just, it's just common sense thing. Like, why would you do that? I'm just saying, you know, maybe take that into consideration. I know that you guys need to make your moolah too, but cars are kind of valuable and lawnmowers are kind of destructive if they're running over things that they can throw. So I don't know. Food for thought. Wise words. Wise words. Yes, what can I say? I think we have, um, I don't know, I would consider this a rave topic, to be honest. Are you sure you want to get into this? Because if we get into this, this might very well take up a very significant chunk of time. Oh, we're going we're gonna to have to keep it short, but I do want to get into this. I don't know if it's possible, but okay. We have to now. Okay. We've already said it. We've spoken it into existence. I hope you remember how this got brought up, because I don't remember. Yeah, I actually do remember how we got started talking about this. Um, one of our uh, one of our mutual acquaintances uh, was texting the judge, and he, um, I think, facetiously implied that he was going to get a mail order bride, and we. Uh, we thought it was kind of funny, so we started doing some research on it, and holy shit, it's basically, like, we, we couldn't really believe what we were seeing. It's it's like fucking, it's like a more expensive, more commitful version of prostitution, or a way more expensive international dating application. Like, we, we were blown away. I believe you referred to these people as international pimps. Yes, the fucking, what do they call themselves, brokers? Marriage brokers. Marriage brokers, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, fucking Judge was doing most of the research on this, and, like, the fucking international brokers, or marriage brokers, I'm sorry, they, they, 
I think it's like $10,000 or something like that. And like a tiny fraction goes to the family of the bride or groom. I guess, I guess we were just looking specifically at brides, but yeah, a tiny fraction, like, like $200, $500, you know, something insignificant goes to the family of the woman that's getting married. And then the marriage broker takes the rest of it. Oh my God. I, we were hesitant to include this for this week, but at the same time, it seems like it's very fitting to be in this section as a rant, just because we jokingly, I mean, we really didn't think this was going to be legal, and it is legal. And turns out, I actually know some people in real life that did this, um, so it hit home even more, literally, in that way. I don't really know how to feel about it. Like, I'm, I'm really stunned. That's kind of the problem with this. I, I don't know. And you hear, like, stories about it being, like, good because some people get involved with it that think that you know they're doing it to help these girls. Most of the time, it's it's brides to help these brides in other countries because they're in really bad situations. So they help them supposedly by getting them over here. They pay for them, and then you know after so long, they go off and become a citizen. And you know, in that sense, it's good, I guess. But at the other side of the spectrum, you've got these really creepy people who are like buying up brides and like there's abuse for this stuff. Like, abuse is rampant in this, apparently, from what I read. There's actually an entire Reddit thread based on this, which I might actually link in the show notes to anyone who's uh, interested in reading these, because some of these are really funny comments. I mean, that sounds bad, but some of them are funny. Um, Some of them are really insightful. So check out the show notes if you want to look more into this, but definitely a really weird concept. Yeah, we're going to have to kind of cut this one short just because we... uh... We have a pretty lengthy show and honestly we spent like we I think we were talking about the show like what we were going to do today and we ended up like segueing off into like an hour and a half long conversation about <laughs> about mail order brides which was just unreal. Weird was what it was. It was really weird. Yeah. But I guess that's it for Ranta Rave and now it's time to transition into our Week in Review segment. Yes, and we've got a really interesting mixture of news to pretty much to give to you guys. And I think you've got, you know more about this first one than I do. So, yeah, so um, we're kind of throwing in a little bit of uh, music updates too, since, uh, you know, we're a veritable podgehodge of, uh, of pop culture and insight. Ah, fuck, that, I don't know. Um, <laughs> So, uh, one of my favorite artists, <laughs> you all right there? I'm okay. <laughs> I mean, Judge just like choked on his coffee or something. I did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, one of my favorite artists, um, Kid Cudi, is uh, apparently making a collaborative album with uh, Kanye West called, I'm, I'm not sure if the album is called this, I know the, I know together they as a group are called Kid See Ghosts. Um, I don't know if that's what the album's going to be called or not, but anyway, that's supposed to drop on June 8th, which I freaking love Cuddy with a passion. I've seen him live. Um, Kanye, I love his music. I'm not a big fan of him as a person, but I, I feel like him and Cuddy can make some magic happen together, so I'm pretty excited to see that. Yeah, I, I haven't. I, I don't know much about this at all. I haven't looked into it very much, but I'll probably give it a listen just because... 
like you said, Kanye generally puts out some pretty interesting stuff, and I like Cuddy pretty well. So, yeah, I think uh, I I don't know. I think if I'm not mistaken, Kanye was the one that kind of discovered Cuddy, though. Um, he even he he's like highly praised him for uh for having like an innovative sound, and even like one of his albums, uh, it's called 808s or 8080s. I don't know. 808s and Heartbreak. Um, that was that was basically. I don't want to say paying homage to Kid Cudi, but it was it was that's basically what it was though. Is like it was it was it was a sound inspired by Cudi. Like before Drake came along, before Kanye's music started getting in that direction, Cudi was the first one that was really doing this. So Kanye kind of emulated him and came up with a really uh, unique sounding. Like I, I actually really liked the album, even though it had a pretty mixed reception on it. Oh well, all right, interesting. The more you know, the more you know. Um, I know a little bit more about this one, uh, but not not too much more. I know that uh, J. Cole released his new album, uh, K.O.D., last Friday, and I briefly listened through it, and it's it's definitely different than his uh, 2014 Forest Hills Drive album and uh, For Your Eyes Only. It's got a different vibe to it, and I'm not really the biggest fan of it tonally so far. But I haven't really had the opportunity to delve into the messages that he's trying to convey through some of these songs. So as far as that all goes, I'm still more of a fan of Forest Hills Drive uh, right now. But anyway, he he released that new album and it's been getting a lot of acclaim. So I guess a lot of people like it a lot. Yeah, I've I've seen a ton of people hype it up. And J. Cole is kind of up there with like, People absolutely lose their shit whenever Childish Gambino releases anything. Whenever, um, whenever like Kendrick Lamar releases anything, he he's he's up there with those artists that like are basically they're mainstream now, but they were like pretty underground and they were so underground that they became mainstream. Yeah. Um, I haven't I haven't listened to a whole lot of J Cole. I'm almost ashamed to say because I know I know he'd be up there with the kind of artists that I that I really enjoy listening to. Um, I, I haven't heard a whole lot of his songs, to be honest. Yeah, um, he's got some good stuff. You'd be well served to check him out sometime. Yep, I'll, I'll have to do that. We also had um, Deadpool 2 trailered that uh, came out this, I think this week, or was it last week? It was last week. Last week. Um, and I'm I'm pretty fucking excited for, for this to come out in May, because... Uh, I really like the first one. Like, this is the only movie I've seen, like, since I graduated college that I've liked enough to see twice in theaters. Um, and you, sequels usually don't turn out as good as the first one, but this one's looking like it's going to be just as good, if not better, than the first one. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it looks like it's going to be really, really good. The first one really kind of proved that an R-rated superhero movie could be successful. And I mean, arguably, the success of Deadpool 1 kind of led up to the adaptation of the more gritty or uh, mature tone that Logan took on, you know, for Wolverine. So it's doing some good things in terms of like the shift in direction that they're having for some of these beloved heroes. And so Deadpool 2 looks like it's going to be freaking hilarious. I Ryan Reynolds has been tweeting up a storm over this stuff, and he's... 
he's hilarious and his take on Deadpool is great. And they just really feel like one entity at this point. I mean, they seem like they're, it seems like Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. So I'm looking forward to this too. I definitely agree with that. Um, even even more than having an R-rated superhero, though, I think it's interesting that Deadpool kind of set, I don't know, it kind of set a bar for, like, pansexual, like, sexually androgynous characters. I mean, like, a lot of a lot of what he does is just him being, like, really, like, funny, really witty. But, like, I think, I think the character himself is actually, like, pansexual, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know much about it. I, I didn't really delve into, like, I don't know much about Deadpool in terms of, like, his lore from the comics. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm almost positive that I read that somewhere. Oh, well, that'd be interesting. I, I hadn't heard anything about that, but that really would be, that'd be an interesting thing to consider for all this. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing, like, a few things that suggest that he's just as interested in men as he is women, According to various articles on Google, but, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Either way, though, it's just to me interesting that it's, uh, you know, because usually if we get if we get heroes like with any kind of sexual orientation, it's like straight hetero saving some kind of heroine and some damsel in distress and getting her in the end. We've got Spider Man and Mary Jane. We've got Batman and freaking Rachel and Catwoman. You know. It's a, I mean, I, I guess technically Deadpool did that in the first movie too, but it's also interesting that he's, that he goes for other, yeah, I don't know, fuck it. It'll be a good movie regardless to look forward to. So, um, I thought this was interesting. So Campo Santo studio, which if you don't know, those are the people that developed Firewatch, which was an interesting single player game that I kind of thought was cool whenever they were, um, teasing it some of the trailers that came out made it look really interesting and i played a little bit of it and i liked it didn't finish it but i liked it they were actually bought or acquired by valve which is interesting because valve mentioned not too long ago that they're trying to get back into making games and they really haven't had to because steam has been just a cash cow for them they haven't had they've kind of just been able to sit back on their laurels and let steam make their money for them since it's such a huge money generator to them. So I'm I'm kind of wondering what they're thinking with this acquisition. Campo Santos proven that they're pretty talented when it comes to making interesting takes on single player experiences. So I'm kind of wondering what they're going to cook up these guys together. So interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. The other thing too, um, and I know exactly what your response to this is going to be, but I'm still going to say Exactly. That should be, to any of our frequent listeners, that should be a pretty good indication of what I'm about to talk about. Um, there is an iPhone SE 2 rumored to be revealed at WWDC this year. Um, and I think that's interesting because it uses the form factor of one of the older iPhones, one of the more successful smaller iPhones before they started making these Plus models, but it beefs up the internals to make them more current. There's speculation that they're going to take the headphone jack off of it, which is stupid. I still think that that is a really dumb decision made by Apple, but I won't get into that. There's just rumors that they're going to come out with an SE2. So. All right. Good shit. Good shit. And we also had, um, obviously, the God of War uh, for, the, for the PS4 was uh, released this week. 
and uh holy god it's been it's been getting hyped up like no other oh it's the hype is way too real for this game like it's got a 95 metacritic score i don't even it's gotten over like 90 like almost perfect scores or something i think that they were touting that earlier this week crazy stuff yeah and i I was um you know obviously i've been kind of apprehensive about the idea of the game i'm really curious to see like you know that some of those scores had to have been from people that had played the original games so i'm curious uh i'm curious if they're able to fully put aside their bias their their bias like toward how it used to be and kind of take it in for what it is now or if they consider what it is now to be an improvement on what it was before you know I'm, i'm curious to see like what kind of contributes to those scores yeah and i'm interested too because they've already said that the story is a continuation like they're not discarding what kratos has already been through it's just it's a different take on the character in the sense that he is like they took a one-dimensional character and they fleshed him out and they're giving him a story that is sort of it's just really giving him an opportunity to have a personality other than like screaming and just killing gods because that's pretty much what he did in the first three games well really all of the past god of war games so i'm definitely hyped to play it i haven't picked it up yet but you can bet that i will be picking it up soon and i'm probably going to talk about it in a future show and uh, i hope you will too whether i whether i pick it up or not probably depends on how how much judge hypes it up to me or not i honestly uh i don't know maybe maybe it's just me i kind of want god of war to be about kratos's lineage not about kratos himself but like i would love and i'm gonna sound terrible to like a lot of god of war fans but I would love for Kratos to die at the end of this game and have his son become the new god of war of, you know, this this new mythology. And, you know, as we transition through different mythologies, like, you know, the family continues to be the new god of war of their respective mythology. But, you know, I don't want I don't want Kratos be, to be the god of war of all the mythologies. To me, that's just stupid. Um, I'm not really sure. I don't know enough about it to know exactly what all of what direction that they took with it. I just know that it is a continuation of the past storyline. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Definitely we'll give it a shot, hopefully promptly, and get back to you, the listeners, and you, Crow, on what it is like. Can't wait. This one makes me mad. This one makes me really mad. And it's a further tease for what we're going to be talking about in the main topic. So it came out from multiple sources earlier this week and last week that call of duty black ops 4 is heavily rumored to not have a campaign at all to have an overwatch like multiplayer experience and they're justifying the lack of a campaign by saying oh guys it's okay we don't need a campaign because we're making a battle royale mode aren't you happy Yes, that's what everyone likes. You know, Fortnite, that's a huge success. You guys like that a lot, right? Well, we don't need multi we don't we don't need a single player experience anymore. We're just going to give you give you a battle royale. Are we are we back to rant or rave already? <laughs> I prob well, I was kind of skeptical on whether I should put this in rant or rave, but then given where we're going with today's topic, it made more sense to have it here. So Oh yeah. Because well, I don't want to segue into it yet. 
how do you feel about this just initially initial impressions my initial impression and you know again like my initial impression of god of war was you know not a positive one so you know my initial impression might not be worth a lot but my initial impression is that a series should you know it it should continue to innovate and evolve but it shouldn't give up on the things that made it successful in the first place that if you're going to do that it needs to be another series altogether you know i mean that's just my that's just my opinion like we you you could have a call of duty game but not make it black ops you know what i mean like you could have call of duty i don't know sandstorm or you know some bullshit and then do this battle royale overwatch like multiplayer that way you're not crushing what the black ops subseries of uh, of call of duty has already established um and granted i'm i'm not even somebody that plays call of duty like i don't i don't give a shit about call of duty but this isn't the first time that a game is, you know, dramatically deviated from what made it big in the first place. And to me, it sounds like they're embracing this, this fad, this, uh, you know, move away from single player to strict multiplayer to strict embrace the newest online fad. And, you know, players will eat it up and, you know, they'll get money. And to me, that's, that's just stupid. You're touching on some really important topics that I know that we're going to flesh out in a second. So, might be a good time to just go ahead and carry this over, but to make this the formal transition into our main topic. The main topic for today is something that we're calling just simply the death of single player. And we had a couple of different things that we were going to play around with in terms of like wittiness of title, like single player is dead, long live single player. But this Call of Duty thing, you touched on this pretty well. Yes, series need to continue to innovate. And I mean, if they didn't innovate, obviously we'd fall into laziness, things wouldn't change, and we'd all be bored. I mean, video games are great because they offer us unique experiences, and that requires innovation. So Black Ops 4, not having a campaign, the campaign to me is like part of the core DNA of Call of Duty. That's what made Modern Warfare, which is arguably the game that revolutionized everything, That's what made it special. And for them to say that they're not going to have a campaign and that they're just going to follow the money trail and just latch on to this fad of Battle Royale that arguably is already dying out. Like a lot of people are getting tired of it. So for them to just try to justify not putting in the effort to make a campaign and include a Battle Royale mode, that's just not, that's just not right to me. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, And to copy, like, the multiplayer, that's another thing. Like, Black Ops and Call of Duty ever since Modern Warfare has been, like, the standard for first-person shooting multiplayer. Like, it innovated in all of those areas, and everyone loved that experience. For them to just... It's Activision, and Activision owns Blizzard, and Blizzard made Overwatch. So, for Activision to try to copy one of their own game's multiplayer experiences doesn't really make sense either, and it's just completely lacking in originality. None of this makes sense to me. I I don't get it. Yeah, I I don't know. I think we've we've kind of discussed offline that we're... It's not, not really so much a concern as it is almost like a point of philosophical debate, like, is single player at risk of being phased out? 
because we've, we've seen kind of couch co-op getting phased out. Like there are very few games these days that we can actually play couch co-op mode that we can play uh, like local mul- multiplayer. Um, I think uh, I think the Nintendo Switch is kind of taking it in the, in the right direction because that's I think one of the perks of it is, is how they've advertised it as such. You can just take like one of the controllers from the same Switch and play with somebody. So to me, that's cool. Um, but as far as like PlayStation and Xbox go, and you know, obviously PC. I mean, how many games can you actually play with somebody like on the same system? It's uh, you know, maybe a few sports games, maybe a few brawlers, but what what else is there? Yeah, and we've you're right. We have talked about this several times offline. The thing is. It's funny to me that back in the 90s and even back in like the arcades, you know, local multiplayer was the thing. That was the hot thing. And then, like you said, in more recent times, this couch co-op idea has it's shifted out. It's been phased out, kind of like they're trying to phase out single player. And now there are certain games that are getting huge acclaim just for reversing that trend it's funny i I think it's a little bit ironic we decided to talk about this and this news came out at the same time you we talked about god of war releasing which everyone's freaking out of it precisely because of the single player experience and then call of duty which has been known for its cinematic and memorable campaigns is saying that they're not going to have a single player aspect anymore so you've got that juxtaposition there and i think that's interesting there are games like we talked about this divinity original sin you remember you watched that trailer and they were hyping up the fact that it is a couch co-op game like they were making a big deal about that that's a critically acclaimed game I just, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't think that you can phase, sing- I'll just say this and see how you feel about it. Just a simple claim. I don't think you can phase out single player. I think that that will take away everything special that is present in video games. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I mean, obviously we played Dead by Daylight, we played Overwatch, we played, we primarily played Diablo together. Um you know, we have we have quite a few games that we enjoy for the multiplayer, for the online experience that, you know, we don't give a shit about the single player um, aspect. But that doesn't mean that we want single player phased out. There's also tons of games that we really enjoy for the single player. We've got Persona, we've got Nier, we've got the Final Fantasy games, you know, there, there's a there's a ton of games uh, that it's the single player that carries it like last of us last of us has single player and multiplayer honestly you know it's it's fun to play online with people but it was it was the single player that drove me and the multiplayer was just you know to get the rest of the trophies uh so i think you know it depends on the game it depends on the series it's you know personally i would be really interested to see a single player overwatch game like if they were to if they were to do like a spin off or a sequel or something like that um, that would be an innovation to me that would be really cool, really mind blowing. I don't really expect to see it, but holy shit, if we do. Um, whereas, you know, if you like take take a game like uh, I don't know, take a game like Pokemon for example. If it was all just online, like imagine that there was no story. Imagine that you couldn't 
explore the world and talk to all these NPCs and catch Pokemon and stuff. Imagine if you just had your Pokemon and you fought online. How tedious would that be? How boring would it be? Um, you know, that might not be the best example, but I, f- I feel like it's applicable to Call of Duty as well. Like if you already just, okay, you're trying to get these, you're trying to get better guns than the people that are trying to kill you and you just do that all the time, you know, that might work for like one or two titles. Is it sustainable? Probably not. I Yeah, I mean, you're onto something with this, and I, I, I think we largely feel the same. It just doesn't feel right to... I just don't see how they can they can throw out that storytelling experience. I I mean, I so, look at video. Sorry. sorry. So why why do you think they're doing that though? Because we we have the couch co op that's gotten largely phased out. Like it's almost. I mean, the, we could probably count on one hand how many games we actually know of that are couch co op at this point. And you know, single player, while it's not in nearly as much danger at this point. You know, do you, do you think it'll become a thing where it's actually at risk? I think it is at risk, and it's at risk because it's not lucrative. It's not lucrative to the makers. So if you made a single-player-only game, and let's assume that you didn't plan any DLC for it, right? It's just one release. If you released a $60 game with only single-player, no inter- no connectivity with internet in the sense that you can't get DLC or can't play multiplayer, they're making their money at the point of sale, and that's it. Whereas, in the long term, this multiplayer approach gives these developers and publishers a chance to be more put in less effort and make a sustained amount of income over a set amount of time. So, like, I forgot the name of the game. It's it's like uh, it's Rainbow Six Siege. Okay. This is a game that came out, like, what, two years ago now? And they said that they were just going to keep updating it. And it's making tons of money because of that, I believe. If not, I'm going to cut this out. <laughs> but um, Even if you looked at a different example, uh, look at all... It's loot boxes, okay? Like, Call of Duty has loot boxes and everything. People love this allure of getting something good out of a box. They like the roulette chance from it. So they'll spend money to try to get a better gun or a cooler looking gun. And they can keep doing that and they can make a ton of money off of that. We've seen the astronomical sales figures that have come out from uh, these loot box and microtransaction earnings. It's just it, it makes more money. So I do think that single player games are at risk just because they're going the developers and publishers are going where the money is. And that's multiplayer. Yeah, that's true. Well, all right. Well, let's take some of our some of our favorite th- uh, series then. Like, t- take something like Final Fantasy or Persona. I mean, it's. Do you think that these games are at risk because we have we have a game like Persona come out and that gives way to the multiplayer games like uh, you know the Arena Ultimax and. And the dancing all night games, and you know Final Fantasy, we've we've got Dissidia and, and the uh, and the online modes for like Final Fantasy fifteen. You know, it, it, we we need the single story, the, the the single player story, in order to lead to these uh, to these games that they can actually profit off of in that fashion. Yeah, I mean they 
these single player experiences that are good do typically lead to some form of a spinoff, like you said. Um, but at the same time, you mentioned Final Fantasy. Look at Final Fantasy. Look at this recent installment of Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 15. It's infuriated both of us based on the decisions that they've made. They could have been putting their energy into making a new Final Fantasy and not half-baking it, right? Final Fantasy 15 came out, and it was very clearly an incomplete game, but they did a season pass for it that lasted a year, and they're doing a second season pass for it. Final Fantasy games are not supposed to have DLC. You know, and they're, they already said that they're making money, like tons of money off of this. So it's working. So that's just even more of an encouraging incentive to them to not put as much effort into that single player experience when they can. I mean, it's it's distributed over a longer period of time. It's a delayed gratification. So it's depressing. Yeah, to and me. the fact that they're shafting the, the the day one buyers is is what gets me the most. Like, if I love a game or if I love a series, I'm gonna. You know, there's only a few a few series that I will spend full full price on to get like the day it comes out, um, and you know to find out later like, oh, get this get this royal edition. I'm like, yeah, I already paid for the day one deluxe edition. What the fuck does the royal edition have? <laughs> you know, to me, to me, that's just a slap in the face. Like, if you're if you're paying more money to get a better version of something. It's just, it's a dick move when you make an even better version of it that didn't exist prior because, oh, hey, we've been, you know, finding more ways to get more money from you. Yeah, and it's becoming commonplace to do that, too, obviously, because we've been shafted by that several times at this point. There, I mean, what, didn't Final Fantasy fifteen have a collector's edition when it came out, like, with an oh, it had like statue. three different. It had three different editions. We, ha- I got the Steelbook edition. Then it had like a, like a super expensive edition that was like two or three hundred dollars. That I was like, no, I can't. I'm not going to spend that much money. But imagine if I had spent that much money, then I'd be feeling royally pissed right now because of the fucking royal edition. And you know they've tried to make these these claims that they're not trying. I mean. They're trying to make an attempt to make you feel like you're not getting screwed over because if you bought, I don't remember the details of this, but if you bought all the DLC or if you did something to where basically you had gotten all their content, but you wanted to upgrade to the Royal Edition and get whatever it had, right? They made it so that it's like, oh, you can upgrade your basic edition, your basic copy to the Royal Edition for only $20, so it made oh, all the people I only have to buy the game like again. <laughs> yeah, it, they made it so that all the people that bought the DLC got screwed because <laughs> they could have just waited and got the complete edition arguably, but it's not complete because they're still releasing stuff. There's going to be a super crazy like Omega Royal edition in a year unless they announce a third season pass, which I'm not even discounting at this point. <laughs> and as long as they keep releasing new dlc they're gonna end up releasing new editions of the game yeah it's a it's a bad cycle this is dangerous this is dangerous territory so yeah i mean i think this even this validates even more that single player is at risk It, it it's worrisome yeah i agree with that and you know we we kind of it the games that get targeted the worst though for for this um 
you know, we've got like shooters, racers, brawlers, rhythm game, sports games. You know, the only ones that are like really not that much at risk would be like RPGs, virtual novels. You know, they're, they're, they're kind of slower paced ones that, that there's really not that much opportunity to insert uh, as a strictly multiplayer game. But, you know, those generally don't make as much like in the way of profit. Um, I guess, you know, Final Fantasy and, and Persona are kind of exceptions in that in that regard. But like as a as a mainstream series, there aren't a ton of RPGs that get that kind of love that, you know, Call of Duty does or or, you know, whatever. It's just a fact at this point that RPGs are niche. I mean, they're just not not as popular as first person shooters or any of these other genres that we talked about or we typically talk about. So it's honestly, I mean, there's a lot of conversation going around that indie developers are kind of taking up the mantle and taking the place of what these developers that a lot of gamers have put their trust into have done in the past. Right. So you had like Konami and all these other companies putting out really good single-player games because they had Kojima making the Metal Gear games, and that's no longer a thing. There's no Silent Hill games anymore, except no Castlevania games in a long time. So you've got these indie developers that are trying to make these really provocative, good, unique single-player experiences, and when they come out, they're great. I mean, they get a lot of appraise, appraisal. Uh, so, like, I think... Bastion, that was a game, that was an indie game that everyone freaked out about. It was like a side-scrolling platformer with a time mechanic introduced into it. Single player, you wouldn't think a platformer would have a deep story, but it actually did. I mean, it impacted a lot of people. They had, uh, I mean, it, people talked about the story a lot, so, and that was an indie developer. Um, what Remains of Edith Finch, that got hyped up a shit ton. Yeah, Gone Home, uh, Gone Home was talked about a lot because it was like a single player really short experience but there were a lot a lot of commentary talked about with that game firewatch campo santo this i mean we talked about them earlier that's arguably indie and it was a single player experience like all these indie developers are having to fill in this void that these AAA developers and publishers are leaving for us because they're not focusing so much on single player anymore so it's interesting. I'm glad that there are people out there that are willing to, you know, continue making these single player experiences for us. But it worries me because obviously these bigger people, these bigger developers have more money. They could make these amazing cinematic, crazy theatrical experiences in video game format, but they're not going to do it because there's not enough money in it. So, uh, I, I don't know. I think. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm being kind of optimistic. I think that there's going to be a game that comes along and just kind of completely shatters these concerns that we're having right now. Cause like, you know, I know the it's God of War. I mean, yeah, that, that's currently what's what's hot and trendy. I don't know if that's necessarily sufficient to uh, dispel our concerns, but you know, imagine what it's going to be like when Final Fantasy VII comes out, like the remake. You know, that might be like a decade from now. But if it's only single player, if it's a complete game, if it's a cinematic masterpiece, if it's amazing gameplay, you know, it's going to solidify single player's relevancy for years to come. 
I mean, yeah, it's it's that's definitely going to generate a lot of hype, uh, and you know it's going to sell well. So I mean, that's a good counterpoint. But maybe I'm the pessimist in this instance, and generally that's weird because I try to be optimistic. But I just I'm worried about the way that the industry is going, um, and I think that we've got some pretty valid concern for that, given what we've talked about. I just hope that they prove me wrong. That's really what it amounts to. Well, I mean. It- Either way, though, honestly, like I feel like we'll, as gamers, adjust to it because, you know, we've got plenty of games that we enjoy playing that are our multiplayer games. And granted, we don't want to lose out on the single player games either. But, you know, the consumers kind of dictate what the demand is and the suppliers supply it based on that. And as long as we crave the single player games, we're still going to get some, is my opinion. Yeah, I hope you're right. I mean, if people are willing to pay for it, then they'll obviously do it. Money talks. For sure. I mean... That goes both ways. True. If you don't like something, just don't pay for it and make your voice heard that way. We've we've kind of looked at, like, some of the games that we've, like, that we're familiar with that have multiplayer. Um, Obviously, Overwatch, Dead by Daylight, Diablo... Dissidia, Elder Scrolls is a big one. Um, you mentioned the new Call of Duty game that's coming out. So yeah, there's there's tons of there's tons of these games. Like what what works, what doesn't. Like, I mean, are any of these games really missing out by not having a single player mode? Do you think? Not having a single player or not having a multiplayer. Sorry. Well, no. These games mostly have these games thrive under multiplayer, um, and. I guess Diablo 3 doesn't necessarily have to be just online, but it seems kind of tedious if you're not playing it with somebody. Yeah. I think that maybe you could look at it both ways. You know, maybe some of these games that are only multiplayer really could gain a lot from getting single player, and some of these single player games could gain a lot from getting some multiplayer. I'm not sure. I think that I'm probably more biased towards the multiplayer games benefiting more for having single player like we've talked about this you kind of mentioned it earlier overwatch having a single player component i think we'd like that they've already got a really well established lore given the fact that it's only presented to us in bite sizes but that's still interesting uh dead by daylight too i mean there's a backstory to these characters and we know some things about the entity and we know some things about how things work but I think it could be an interesting territory to explore if they decided to do some sort of single player with that. Diablo 3, I mean, it has a story, ha 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 ha, but like no (laughs) one really cares about it, hence you don't, like we've played through the story almost twice now and you still don't know what's going on because people, (laughs) (laughs) people, people don't really pay attention to the story. Um, So, you know, there's that. Elder Scrolls games? Those are single player, right? But well, Skyrim is Skyrim is single player and offline. But one of my friends, she plays uh, like Elder Scrolls, and and it's uh, she always plays online with people. Yeah, I was about to mention. See, Elder Scrolls is a series that is known for having really interesting, huge single player experiences, and they decided that well. You know, there was someone that made the decision, well, what if we took the Elder Scrolls universe and we tried to make it an MMO? 
online. Sounds great on paper, but that game has not been received well at all. The multiplayer for that game has not been... People just don't like it. It's too barren. It's probably an issue of execution rather than a problem with uh, the actual concept. Concept sounds good, but it just hasn't... It's It's just not executed correctly. So, I mean, like I said, this could probably go either way. I don't know, like, Persona with a multiplayer component? I'm not sure how that would work. <laughs> oh, no, I like the idea. I mean, not, I, I, I agree with what you said earlier. Like, I think single player could benefit from having a multiplayer, and multiplayer could benefit from having a single player. Because, um, like, if you spend a ton of time, like, working on a Persona, getting it to have these amazing skills, getting it to have the best stats that you can get it with, I would love to be able to show off that shit to other people. And, you know, the fact that you can use them to crush, like, side bosses and main story bosses and shit like that, you know, that's satisfying enough. But imagine what it could be like if you could if you could take your confidant levels, if you could take your items, if you could take your armor, your weapons, your personas. Imagine if you could take all of that and fight somebody else that might potentially have something similar, something different, and see who comes out on top. I think that would be cool. Um, and then, you know, we've got our other single player games like Kingdom Hearts, God of War, Skyrim, Devil May Cry. I think that would be really good with a multiplayer added on top of it. I, that I mean, I haven't played, I haven't played the newer ones lately, so maybe it does, and I just don't know it. But the older ones, it would have been cool to play with somebody. Yeah, that could be interesting. Devil May Cry would be. It, it could be kind of like cooperatively. It would be fun. Like old, a multiplayer God of War would have been cool to have. Like whenever uh, Kratos had like the Blades of Chaos, can you imagine like multiple Kratoses like running around, slashing and you know that could be fun. Yeah, I agree. That I guess there are some implementations of this that could be pretty cool. So I mean, you could argue both sides. Yeah. Uh. I mean, and we we've seen a few games too that that mix this shit up like. There are games that have single player and multiplayer, Pokemon being an obvious one, which, you know, I think is what it would look like if we had Persona or Shimigami Tensei uh, as a multiplayer game. Um, some of the rhythm games, like like Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm, I think that does it both really well. Like, I've, I enjoy playing that shit by myself, and then I also enjoy getting my ass spanked by you with that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, that's another good example. Last of Us. I primarily enjoyed the story, but it has a pretty good, a pretty well fleshed out multiplayer um, that tends to favor people that pay to play to win. But, you know, still there. And yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned uh, theater rhythm because I agree. I think that I mean, that's the kind of type of game that you can have fun with playing single player or multiplayer. So, yeah, I mean, I've had a blast with that one. I think that they do a really good job of balancing it. And, I mean, initially, whenever that game came out, you had to buy the games individually as DLC, too. So, maybe it would be a different story if we didn't end up getting Curtain Call, which is the game that includes, like, all of the DLC together. They just make it extremely grindy to get the, get all the songs. <laughs> so, I mean, at least they, they give you the option of getting it without spending the money. So, that's good. And... Something else to mention here, too, is like since we're talking about single player being like essentially in trouble or maybe not in trouble, uh, even fighting games like older fighting games like Mortal Kombat and Tekken, 
they had a quote unquote story mode. I mean, it wasn't like groundbreaking stuff, but they still had a single player story mode. Yeah, I think you mentioned uh, Super Smash Brothers also had a at one point, and you know, to me, maybe I'm wrong here. You might disagree, but. I don't feel like, especially brawlers, brawlers in particular seem guilty of this. I don't feel like they necessarily need a story. Like, I think it depends on the game itself to determine. Because, like, like the J-Stars game, that would have been so much better without a story. That story was so terrible. I just wanted to fight with these various characters from different series. I did not want to, you know, hear about the problems of Jump World. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know it's kind of a case by case thing like i don't i don't think we can universally say you know smash brothers does or doesn't need a story mode to go with it cuz you know realistically most people are in it for the multiplayer i don't think that we can you know say in a heartbeat like oh yeah call of duty doesn't need a story or campaign cuz people are just in it for the multiplayer i know tons of people that actually like the story yeah lots of good points being made with all this yeah, so what do you what do you think? Like you you mentioned that you were kind of pessimistic about this, but is this actually a valid shift in direction? Like is this going to be a sustainable business model for gaming companies for years to come? Okay, so sustainable? Yes. But the best for the medium? I would argue no. I mean, they're making clearly they've demonstrated that going this direction, focusing on multiplayer is the way for them to make money. So on that side, yes, it's sustainable, but I it's just single player in video games is so impactful. I I mean, yo, I think I think that's part of the problem. I think we just identified one of the root causes of our discomfort with this. It's the money. Because when we go when we go from single player, like single player, whenever we talk about video games as an art form, we're thinking of single player. Like, how many people do you think? How many people would think of multiplayer as like quote unquote art when it comes to video games? Because most of the time, that really is just a money suck. I mean, I've already kind of a guilty confession is I've purchased loot boxes for Overwatch because it's fun to me because I enjoy the cosmetics, because I, I enjoy grinding and collecting and blah, blah, blah. But when, you know, if you play through a, through a game that has like a really riveting story, a game that you that you want to collect armor and creatures and, and gain levels and shit like that, you know, that it, it has to have a good story. It has to have good music. It has to have great art and all this stuff. It, it feels like if you're in it for the money, then you're taking away from the art. I think is probably why we're so why we're so uncomfortable with it. Yes, I agree with you. I think that in one sense I I really wish that things would be like they were back in like the early 90s and before that. You know, where developers would work on a game, they'd put it out, and when they put it out, that game was self-contained. So, I mean, it was there was more polish associated with it. I mean, granted the graphics weren't as good, but they had to put more effort into it because there was no possibility of them proactively changing the game through patches and stuff. And we've talked about that in past shows. I agree with you. The art, it's art. And I think that the more focus they put on the making money of part of it, the more it detracts from the appreciation and 
care to detail that comes with an intricately crafted single player experience. But part of, I don't know, to me that, that, that kind of also raises another interesting point in that even if it becomes the way of the future, even if like quote unquote all gaming, like all AAA games go that route and just focus solely on the multiplayer, I think that's going to be a great opportunity for the indie uh, community to kind of come up because, you know, that's not going to go anywhere. Indies are going to make a lot more single player than they are multiplayer because if not enough people are playing it, they're not going to be able to profit from it in the first place. And if you're an indie gamer or if you're an indie uh, studio, usually it's for the art. Like usually it's because you want to create something and put it out there. Um, so I think that we're going to see like a surge of indie gamers come up if this ever happens and like single player gets phased out in the AAA uh, scene. Well, man, I think that's already happening. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've never played as many indie games as I have like the last like six months. Yeah, you're on the sexy brutality or brutale, however you pronounce it. I don't even fucking know how it's pronounced, but yeah, and I'm <laughs> I'm enjoying the hell out of that game, and I really want to buy like, you know, Edith Finch and uh, uh, fuck, what's the other one? Fuck, I don't tumble tumble weed or something like that thimbleweed part thimbleweed yeah like that sounds like a cool game that i kind of want to get there was there there were a few more that, that are on my list and you know i wouldn't even be like sparing these games in a second glance if i hadn't been like well i kind of want to go back to how it used to be and then you know i play these games and i'm like holy shit this is way back to how it used to be but i'm not i'm not opposed though i like it yeah it's funny we get to the conclusion and we it's like this moment of clarity where we just my god we found out what we actually think (laughs) i mean i I don't know i guess our last question on that was like do we like it or dislike it or or dislike it as a shift in gaming and i mean i guess the answer is yes (laughs) i mean (laughs) overwatch and dead by daylight are like two of our biggest time sucks at this point and you know there's a reason for that because we enjoy doing it but we would also really hate to to miss out on on games like near and and persona catherine shit like that just because their stories are what make them the stories are more interesting than the game play or the mechanics to be honest i guess things just look bleak right now but it's not necessarily as bad as I felt like it was going into this. It It's not good, but it's not absolute yet either. And like you said, there are good things that have come out of it. And we have a lot of fun with those games, like Overwatch and Dead by Daylight. All multiplayer games, but we have a blast with them. Because those experiences are primarily predicated on who you play them with. And so the experience varies, I guess. But... It's just, I don't want to see single player get shafted too much, you know, like it, it has a place. It's like an integral part of gaming. It doesn't need to be faced out completely. It's kind of interesting to think about though, because like when you really think about it, games, the origin of games was multiplayer, like the arcade games, they didn't have fucking stories. They were mainly to play with other people. Pong. <laughs> yeah. Pong, like fucking like 
Schubert and Mario and shit like that. Like, well, I mean, those are later than arcade games, but, you know, they're, they're, they're still kind of in there with, like, they're, they're more fun to play with other people if, if you have that option. Um, and the actual arcade games obviously did have options to play with other people, too. They were more, they were more focused on the gameplay than any story. So the, the, the story in video games is like, I wouldn't say new because video games as a medium is kind of newish, but they're newer than the multiplayer, if that makes sense, or the quote unquote online. That's an interesting way of looking at it. And honestly, like even the very worst case scenario, if all triple A games go with, with the multiplayer online business model. Like I said, we're going to see a surge in indie games, like even more so than right now. And I feel like worst case scenario, we go like maybe a decade without any AAA single player games. We're going to see an indie game that's going to just fucking shake the entire world of of gaming. And it'll kind of draw the AAA games back into single player, is my opinion. I hope it's like that, if it gets to that point. So we'll see. I don't know. I feel like you're a little more down on this uh, on this topic than I was. But you know what might cheer you up? What's that? The name of shame and phrase of praise. <laughs> you're correct. Those always cheer me up, even after a downer view like I presented in this episode towards single player. And, you know, this time this week, it's kind of a bonus. Because not only do we have a name of shame for your enjoyment and amusement, we also have a background story to accompany it. Yeah, we actually fucking remember what happened when we played this individual. Yeah, because it was recent. It was only a couple of days ago. Yeah, what, two days ago? It was literally two days ago. All right, cool. So what's, what's the name of shame this week? The name of shame for this week is Shwetty Balls. That is with a C-H-W and with a Z instead of an S. It's great. Good stuff. We all need yeah. more sweaty balls. Context for this. Playing Dead by Daylight. And Crow and I were was obviously a, we're playing. We playing against the shape, right? Uh, I think it was a trap. It was a trapper. You're right. It was trapper. It was a trapper. It was a trapper because he had brought in an ebony memento mori, which means that he has the ability to kill everyone on the team once they've been hooked once. And uh, I, was, everyone... I was a lucky person to discover that. <laughs> yeah, you typically are. Um, so all of us had been hooked once and we get to end game and he ended up killing three out of the four. And I was the fourth person who I wasn't dead yet. But I had been hooked, so I was at risk. If he got me down, he would have been able to kill me. Well, I started looking for the hatch, and probably after like four or five minutes, I heard the sound of the hatch. Four or five minutes, my ass. It was was longer than that? No, you found it in like fucking 20 seconds. Uh, Oh, it did not take. It did not take any... It didn't take goddamn four or five minutes. Okay, well, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I won't won't dispute that. Um... (laughs) fine a little bit of a problem with timing but i turned around the corner and i guess i found the hatch and because it's trapper he had the ability to get traps and i guess it had to be long enough for him to get these traps because he had 
he had spread traps out in a strategic way to try to prevent me from getting to the hatch. And this was in the uh, the treatment facility or the uh, Lurie's Memorial Hospital or whatever it's called. It's indoor map. Hate it. Um, so really tight corners. Tried to get through it. Well, I, I didn't hear heartbeat. So I just was like, all right, I'll get to the hatch. I stood on top of the hatch and was like, wait a minute. I can get some more points out of this. So <laughs> I went back and I started disarming all of the traps, which gives the killer an audio notification. Like, he hears m- me popping all of them. Um, <laughs> Crow's laughing, because he's just like, you're such a jerk. Um, I'm just getting all these blood points for doing this, or points for the boldness category. He rounds around the corner as I'm popping the last trap, and he's like walking towards me angrily, and I just hop in the hatch. So, I'm sorry, sweaty balls. <sighs> And I was, uh, as, a, as a trophy whore, I knew exactly that this guy was trying to get this fucking, uh, I think it's called blood on your face or something like that. Um, <laughs> th- th- there's a trophy for killing four people in a single game. And it's fucking, it's almost impossible to do. Like, I, I tried to do this last night, and I had two people disconnect on me while I was trying. Like, one of them disconnected as I was in the process of morying him. The other disconnected when I had downed him. And that happens in a lot of these games. Like, people will be a jackass, and as soon as they realize you're trying to mori them, they're going to be like, oh, no, I'm not going to give him the satisfaction and, you know, disconnect. Um, so <laughs> yeah. part of me was part of me was like, well, I really hope Judge can escape from this. And then the other part of me is like, oh, I'm going to hurt internally for, for sweaty balls if... <laughs> If Judge is able to get away and then, you know, Judge rubs salt in the wounds by disarming his traps by a fucking hatch. <laughs> you know, none of this was going through my mind whenever I did it. I fucking told you while you were doing it. Yeah, but I quickly discarded it uh-huh. in one ear to ride out the other. I wanted to escape. Not not badly enough to not disarm the traps. Well, he might have already had that trophy, so. No. People don't try to memento mori four people in one game if they have that trophy. If they bring in an ebony, they are. That's just a waste of an item. I mean, I think, and I haven't really had any experience with this, but I think you get more points for sacrificing somebody than you do for morying them. You do. You do get more points. Yeah, so why why would you go through with that if you're trying to, if you're not trying to get the trophy? I don't know. This is all conjecture. Uh And we don't have time for conjecture at this point. No, but we do have time for a phrase of praise. (laughs) Yes, yes we do. And this one was interesting because it came about, we were talking about topics for, you know, like, there was a show that I liked whenever I was growing up called Whose Line Is It Anyway? And they had a game where basically they'd take terrible, or they'd take ideas out of a hat and you'd have to improv your way through them. And so, jokingly, we came up with this, uh, you know, like terrible condom name ideas. It was like a, you know, phrase that they would put in that hat through the show or whatever. And, uh, applicable badge scraper. Oh my God. (laughs) It's bad. I mean, it it fits that category. That's, that is the, I really don't want to call it the phrase of praise because I don't really (laughs) want to praise it. It's really gross. I don't even like the shame. It's the phrase of shame and the name of shame the name of praise. (laughs) <laughs> yeah we can flip those this week yeah alright yeah well yeah so there you go we've 
reached the end point of the show. And what a great show it was. Filled with fiery passion. Fire and brimstone in this one. Fire and brimstone. That sounds slightly different from fiery passion. Both. Who knows? Fiery passion will lead you to fire and brimstone. I should know. But we will talk about that <laughs> a different episode. So yeah, this is the end of the episode. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed it. As always, uh, we want to hear your thoughts on all this. Reach out to us uh, through our Twitter handle, which is at RealPodHodge. Or you can reach out to us through our website. Uh, email at us at contact at Hodge. <laughs> okay. You can get us at contact at PodHodge.net. That's job. difficult. That's tough. Do I get a cookie? <laughs> <laughs> okay it was a good episode thanks for joining us we'll see you next week later later